today's viral social and political issues for millennials and gen z and right now we're trying to make the 2020 elections make sense and here to help us figure out the antidote is the u.s representative for michigan's 13th district congresswoman rashida Tlaib. rashida thank you so much for joining us thanks amani for having me I couldn't be more excited or happy to have you and even more so proud to be sitting here with you on the other side of your triumphant primary win. Congratulations. How does it oh, feel? Thank you. It was, I mean, it, it, there's a lot of relief, um, just confirmation. Uh, I mean, I don't always think about like my name on the ballot. It's everything that we stand up for as a team and all the residents, you know, they voted for Green New Deal and Medicare for All and ending poverty and combating racial injustice and ending mass incarceration. So much was on the ballot, not just my name. And so for me, it just gave me more confidence that I'm on the right side and, and pushing forward and people are believing that, you know, better is possible. Yeah. And your win was exceptional for so many reasons, right? Because you were not only going up against literally the status quo, and so much adversity and a primary challenge, but also the media complete misrepresentation of your race and what was happening within your district. And it's just seeing you come out of all of that. It must have been quite a fight for you to put up. Like, was it harder than the your first run for Congress? I mean, I, I don't know if anything was harder being a new new person kind of on a scene. I think being an incumbent, there was an advantage. But I'll tell you, when you say that about the headlines, there was so much, uh, Amani, that I, I just kept looking at the headlines and these different kinds of perspective from New York Times, Newsweek, all these folks were writing that this is so close. And I kept thinking to myself, what is it that they know that I don't? Um, what's going on? Because the feeling that I was getting is that you know, our support for the movement work was growing in the 13th district, that there were more people more engaged. I mean, we saw a 21% increase in voter turnout in my district during the primary. Wow. There were so many folks that are inspired, you know, folks that are speaking truth, that are um, really about being bold and meaningful, uh, taking meaningful action that really changes people's lives today. Uh, I, I, people don't want this like cautious, you know, um, half measures anymore. Their lives are... I mean, they're literally dying right now because of the broken systems. Uh, every single day on top of the pandemic, the economic divide, the broken healthcare system, the racist, unjust, hate agenda coming out of the White House, all of that is putting our lives at stake. Yeah, and I mean, speaking of people not wanting half measures anymore, it's also almost exactly two years since you lit the media on fire when you proclaimed, let's impeach the mother effer. And it's really funny because a lot can happen in two years, right? Absolutely. And, you know, even at the moment, which it was 1030 at a bar, not on the floor <laughs> anywhere else, you know, I was being myself and being, you know, passionate. And, and I think, you know, much of that moment being around all these movement folks, you know, telling that story and, and then really feeling a lot of that anger towards the fact that we needed to impeach him. You know, I, at first I, I didn't expect, because it's not like I haven't cursed in public before. I have a bit of a potty mouth, but I, 
but I didn't expect that kind of, well, I didn't expect that kind of violent, you know, aggressive, you know, from all ends, from media, from all ends that were all of a sudden just like, you know, and not expecting like a Muslim girl, you know, this is a president that banned Muslims. This is the president that was othering women uh, like myself in so many ways through politics, increasing violence, inciting it, all these things. And, you know, it's like they, people want this kind of, I don't know, polished politicians, you know, and I can't, I'm, I'm too raw and, and a bit gritty. And, and, you know, I'm lucky that my residents may not all agree completely in my style, but I think they understand that my heart is in the right place, that I am coming from a place that's similar to them. I think one of my seniors said to me, Amani, she called me and she goes, you know, when you grow up in Detroit, you, you don't even have one mother. You have a ton of mothers. I mean, mothers down the block and, you know, even my former teachers. But one of my, one of my seniors goes to me, she's like, you know, dear, I don't talk like that. I would never talk like that. And I said, yes, ma'am. And she's older, you know, and I said, of course. And, uh, mm-hmm, and just, you know, all you have to do is say yes, ma'am. If you're raised like me, you just say yes. And at the end, after she said, you know, I just, I, I just want you to know, you know, I don't, I don't say those words, but when you said it, you know, I felt more liberated, which made me, you know, tear up a little bit because somehow, even if it doesn't match her style or approach, she, she felt the same passion and anger that I had towards the hate agenda that was coming out of the White House. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, imagine for my generation with role models like this, that actually are not afraid to speak their mind or be raw or speak truth to power. And obviously, you know, having this conversation with you right now is super special to me because it's no surprise to anyone, you know, that knows me that you have been a tremendous inspiration to me. And I actually got to run in the 2020 elections with you, which was such an honor and also was just such an eye-opening experience for me as well, being on the other side of that, just to get a, a glimpse into what you have to experience, what you've, what you've had to put yourself through, being at the, in the crosshairs of that, especially as a Muslim woman of color today. You know, and it's funny too, like just the intergenerational aspect of it, because I remember even over the course of my campaign, I like texted you one day and I was like, Rashida, I keep having dreams about you, girl. (laughs) And literally, Rashida, you were coming to me in my dreams and like giving me advice. And it's crazy because I remember very vibrantly, like this one dream that I had of you where I approached you because I needed to ask you something and you were running on a treadmill in your... (laughs) in your like office suit you're like running on a treadmill and i'm over here like trying to talk to you and you're just like effortlessly running and also simultaneously giving me the advice that i need while also like (laughs) dealing with whatever you had to like on your phone and stuff like that and it was just obviously it was just a dream but i feel like there has to be just such symbolism there of like how many expectations are placed on you not only when you're at that intersection but also when you're the first you know, when you're on the front line. Yeah, well, I think a lot of, and it's interesting, I don't remember a lot of my dreams. It's great that you vividly remember your <laughs> dreams, but sometimes subconsciously, that's probably what you felt. You felt, you know, that you were running and up this hill. And, and you know, I, I don't know if I told you this, because I always tell young, especially young Muslims or women of color that approach me about running for office, you know, I, I do gently let them, I don't want them to be afraid, but it is very lonely. I don't know how to explain it. You're completely around people a lot, 
you're surrounded by just people, activity, and, and there's a lot of movement going on. Even during this pandemic, I felt this constant, you know, this engagement, doing things. Um, but it is extremely lonely. You just, it just, it's overwhelming. I don't know how to explain it. I don't know if it's just for women, um, but when I do explain that in front of other colleagues, they all nod their heads because it, it's it's undescribable until you actually do it. And you know that. And I was so incredibly proud that you're doing it, but I also was like afraid for you, <laughs> you know, because I guess it's the big sister of me, you know, I'm the eldest of 14. And so I'm always kind of a mama bear. That's what Ilhan Omar calls me. Um, but, you know, I, I'm very protective and I just keep thinking to myself, oh my God, she's, she doesn't know it's going to come. And you, you saw the wave. Yeah. Uh, and it's not just like, I don't like you. It's, I hate you and you should die. And I mean, just violent. And it's, it's something that even if you minimally expected it because you've heard or you know Islamophobia is real or just, you know, anti-Blackness in our country is real, it is still is undescribable when all that, just this funnel, like of just tunnel of like hate comes towards you. Uh, sometimes, I mean, I would, I, I stopped reading uh, comments and uh, all the hate mail go into like a, a direction into, onto my team. I try to, unless it's, you know, a direct death threat, which is, you know, real in my life, anything like that. I just try to, um, you know, outwork that kind of hate, but also try to remember there are so much more people like us that come from a place of love. Um, even when we disagree, we don't come with that disagreement with violence. And so I, I just, um, I just, the first thing I thought about, I mean, I was like, oh, I just, how do I warn you without scaring you away? You know? <laughs> <laughs> Whoop. Sorry to interrupt you guys, but real quick, I just wanted to remind you all that we are really proud to partner with Lyft to make sure that getting to the polls is not a barrier on election day. What that means is we are offering discounted rides to make sure that you get out the vote no matter who or what you vote for. Use code 2020 Lyft on election day. Let them know Amani sent you. All right, back to the program. That's honestly, that's what stood out to me so much was your response to me. What usually, you know, a person's first response was, you know, oh my God, what was the dream? You know, what was I doing? Whatever. But your first response was, um, you said, oh, that's because of all the pressure of the race. How are you doing? I hope you're hanging in there. And I was like, wow, she really knows this game inside <laughs> and out that <laughs> she caught that, you know, because that definitely was, I mean, it was absolutely one of the hardest and most high pressure experiences I've had in my life so far. And, you know, one of the things that came up over the course of my campaign that obviously, like you said, is something you expect, but you're not always fully prepared for is the death threats that I received. You know, obviously I've gotten so many death threats through Muslim, through Muslim girl in the past, but these were like some of the worst that I've ever gotten. And, you know, it was especially heartwarming for me that you signed on to an open letter denouncing the death threats that I was receiving, especially because it's, really only a fraction of what you what Ilhan, and what so many others have to experience and to me what that signified was that there is this intergenerational struggle it made me feel like you have had to be on the front lines of it and so you wanted to draw the line that we cannot allow this violence to continue on to the next generation we can't let the cycle keep moving forward 
it, it also made me wonder, you know, what, what have you had to go through? You know, like what was, was there ever like a, a really scary moment like that? Like for me, they had my family's home addresses. They knew my personal. Well, that's what I was going to tell you. See how, when we see, we're such great children of immigrants, <laughs> daughter, we're great daughters of immigrants because if things changed for me and became so real when threats towards my children uh, were included in some of those emails and things that were sent to my office, I think all of a sudden, I, I just had this moment of, you know, this is not just about me anymore. It's also about my family and the people that I'm supposed to protect, which are my children. They didn't want to run, you know, they're not the ones running for office. They're not the ones out in public. And uh, if you notice, I very rarely post about them publicly anymore. As I used to, I used to share so much about being a mother in, in, in public office and how it actually keeps me focused. And I so little by nice that you got elected, the photo with your son all triumphant went viral online. Yeah. I want to get into that because I can't imagine how terrifying that is. Because for me, you know, I got a death threat naming my little brother and that alone was like nerve wracking, right? So I can't imagine you know, also having children in the picture when you are so targeted within the political sphere. And there's so much part of who I am. And, you know, I served six years in the Michigan legislature. And I mean, I was pregnant my second term. So I had Yusuf, you know, my second term, I used to bring him to the floor. He was just so much, I mean, they both are so much part of who I am and why I do what I do. And, you know, I, I used to take Adam, I mean, Adam, no, I mean, that's why he's so politically awake. Uh, he's a very woke 15 year old, um, much more than I ever expected. I mean, he's really schooling people about why we need reparations in our country and schooling people about, you know, the history of our country. I mean, he's like, mom, you know, I'm a freshman at high school and here we go. They're going to teach us U.S. history. You know what that means. It means it's not going to be always the real stuff. I mean, it's just real people, but it's because he used to, I mean, he used to come with me everywhere and uh, they both you know, I remember when President Obama was in office, I, I think it was in Washington, D.C., somebody was selling shirts, Amani, that said on the shirts, had a picture of, of, of two of his daughters, both of his daughters, uh, on the shirt that said, make, make them fatherless. And I just, I was just so, I know. And I, you know, it's funny when I, it's not funny, but when I got that, that threat about Adam specifically, I remember that instantly, I remember that shirt and I just thought, my God, we have some really sick people (laughs) around us, the evilness. I just, you know, so yes, I mean, for you, it was your little brother, but it's like, I I don't know how to, it's undescribable as a mother when, when something like that comes, comes through, I instantly want to to take them and hide them. And so I, yeah, I've created a private Facebook uh, group for all of their pictures, you know, first days. And there once in a while you'll see posts about them, but trying to, again, protect them as much as possible. Absolutely. I mean, I'm curious in the face of everything that is going on and also just like all of the issues that you stand for, will you be supporting the Biden-Harris Ticket. So what folks need to know is, I mean, there is there is not anybody like me that is working so hard to make sure that Trump does not serve another hour, another minute, another day as our president. Um, and so I'm really working on a great turnout in my district. And so many of my residents are not, you know, they understand what is at stake. And so 
you know, we're, we're really trying to increase turnout by even 50,000 50, more votes in my district. That's our, that's our hope. Because he won Michigan by only, I think Trump won by Michigan, but only by like 10,000 votes. When it comes to the Biden-Harris, I mean, I'm, I'm um, you know, very much like I have a request into the, to, uh, the uh, campaign to come and actually talk about environmental racism, environmental injustices, and do like a tactic tour in my district. So I want to engage the campaign in that way, but I don't want to be weighed down too much in answering questions about various positions. And that's what ends up happening when you do endorse, right? And so some things that I might not agree with. And so that's why I want my residents to trust me when I tell them I need you to go and vote for Biden and Harris, because the hate agenda is, is so real. And that if I show them, I show them what he did the first week of the pandemic, Trump completely said, hey, uh, executive order that said, don't enforce the Clean Air Act as Clean Water Act. You know, some of the things that he's done to try to even change how we define poverty in our country. I don't think people realize behind closed doors, he's trying to do that. He's trying to say, oh, look, we decrease poverty by changing the formula of what we say who's poor in our country, right? I mean, there's so many things, labor protections at workplace, even the way the tax structure is set up to help you know, his wealthy donors, his, his friends, himself, so much there that I wanna really be laser focused on that and the dangers of having a Trump administration for another four years. And, and, you know, for me, it's, it's going to be engaging, you know, the Biden-Harris campaign on that, having them come to my district and see what, you know, Senator Bernie Sanders did and Senator Elizabeth Warren. I mean, they saw, they came, they smelled what my residents smell out there, the pollution. Talk to young kids that don't have clean water at their high school, even though down the street is a stadium that got, you know, close to $600 million school aid fund. So it's those kinds of things that I need to be at the forefront as we fight to make sure that 2020 election is successful for Biden and Harris. So obviously you're going to be organizing to help get the support and the votes for, you know, for Biden's ticket, but you won't be endorsing their campaign? Well, my whole thing is, if you notice, I don't, uh, you ask for your endorsement. A lot of people ask for my endorsement. <laughs> I I, you know, one, I'm so, well, it's, well, it's because I, I don't want you to think you're on your own. I mean, I, I do want to emphasize that if I, I, I mean, who knows, but I, I do welcome the Biden Harris campaign to come to my district. I think it's really critically important. If, 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 you know, in the 13 district, I know this, if you turn out people in my district, you will win Michigan, period. I'm, I'm confident of it. I, I, I can show you the, the numbers are there. Oh, President Obama was able to accomplish that turnout. And I think we can even go farther, especially with fear and anxiety and disdain for the Trump administration right now, um, that I think we can be very successful. But yeah, I'm, I'm engaging with the campaign and you know, have donated a significant amount of money to the Michigan Democratic Party to make sure that we increase turnout in the 13th and other districts to make sure, again, that we don't have a repeat of 2016 in Michigan. So that's the thing. I feel like, and I completely appreciate your nuance and honesty in the way that you are engaging, because I think it represents where a lot, a lot of people stand in the elections this year, especially for young people that do feel really alienated. You know, many who feel divided about where to place their votes, if their vote even matters, if they should even engage in the democratic process, if they feel like it doesn't wholly represent them. 
And obviously, you know, you're a proud Palestinian woman. You've been so outspoken about your family and the conditions that they're living under in Palestine. And of course, you know, my mother is a Palestinian refugee. So I'm wondering, you know, how do you reconcile supporting a ticket when, you know, the their policies are so problematic on Israel and Palestine? I mean, look, I, I'm, I'm really, really focused on my district. I always bring them into the room. I, I don't get so bogged down in that because I feel like it will paralyze me. All I can do is continue to speak the truth and humanize the issue of Palestine Israel. I think humanize the, the poverty issues. You know, when we talk about clean water in my district, I love that my residents themselves say we need clean water from Detroit to Gaza to Gaza to Detroit. I mean, that kind of inter- intersectionality. I, I love when my residents are, are saying we're so proud that Rashida is Palestinian, that she's one of the first Muslim women. But we, we, we like her because she's also just extremely rooted in community and really sees and hears, you know, about the pain, about a lot of the oppressive policies that are in place right now that continue, you know, I, I think in, in a very painful, hurtful way, leave, our, leave, leave so many of my neighbors behind. I mean, when I look at the number of people that have died in Michigan from COVID, I mean, 40% of them ha- were African-American. I mean, these were my Black neighbors that died, 40%, even though they make up less than 15% of the total population in Michigan. If that alone doesn't tell you just how broken and divided our system is and how, how systematically you know, racist it is, I, I don't know what else. I mean, if one thing that, that, that comes out of this pandemic is you know, really opening the curtain, showing the ugly face of you know, the economic divide, the broken healthcare system, the structural racism that is in place right now that hurts so many of us. I mean, I'm so laser focused on those issues. And yes, when I get asked, because I am Palestinian about that issue, I talk about the same way I would talk about uplifting my black neighbors out of oppression. My grandmother deserves human dignity, just like my black neighbor deserves access to health care that is quality, that is not systematically racist or deserves those opportunities in education where it's, it's equitable, not the way it is now where it's again set up just for failure. And so I, I think for me, I don't, I don't try to do that, Amani, as much because, you know, I grew up a Democrat. I grew up with a UAW father who, you know, he was so passionate. I mean, you, if you, if you ever talked to my father, it didn't matter who they were. If there was a D next to their name, he felt like he was part of something bigger than him. And it just, you know, I grew up knowing that. And I just have so much faith still. I know a lot of our young people don't. I just, you know, we can be able to get more of us to run for office and we'll win. And we'll be able to, to raise that voice and grow the so-called squad. You know, we're all part of the squad if you support equitable, you know, equity and justice. And so for, for, for me, it's, it's so much bigger than that, than just these kinds of issues, because I know the same person that really, really, truly believes in tearing down structural racism will see what Israel does to my grandmother, similar, and that she's othered because of who she is, not because of what she's done, right? And so she's done anything. She's the most peaceful, wonderful woman ever. She's a city. If you know any Palestinian city, she's just a city <laughs> who wants to pick figs with me and talk about who got married and, and you know, who made the nicest thob, uh, at the, who wore the nicest thob at the weddings and things of that nature. But all I can do, again, is, uh, is to cre- increase that base. I, and Amanda, you know this, like for a lot of the support that I'm starting to get from within my district of folks that like understand why I talk about issues this way or understand why 
I don't jump like everybody else on some sort of bandwagon of this is because I, I want them to lead because I truly believe transformative change happens from the streets and not in the halls of Congress. Totally. I mean, I love that. And I think that, like I mentioned, this conversation speaks to bigger ones that so many people are talking about, because even for me, my experience, honestly, probably one of the most eye-opening experiences for me with my campaign was seeing that not all progressives are the same, even, you know, just seeing how different even just the policies that we stand on within the Democratic Party alone, um, you know, just such a wide spectrum. And even on the progressive end of things, there's layers to it, you know, especially with the inclusion representation of people of color. And it kind of sounds sounds like you feel that within the Democratic Party, there are like some concessions or compromises that need to be made in order to continue pushing the party platform towards where we need it to go, you know, across the bar. Is that kind of where where you where you see? Well, yeah, I mean, I think of. I just think of like Jamal and Corey and just, you know, even like Corey, I mean, Corey was literally, you know, in the streets shouting Black Lives Matter and protesting and marching and speaking the truth. And, and, and she ran for office and now she went, so she's going straight from the streets yelling Black Lives Matter, yeah. right? In, in, in such a powerful, passionate way to now being able to be in Congress. Same thing with Jamal. I mean, you know, Jamal, yeah, he's that cool principal and everything, but he's also out there speaking these truths and ran for office and now is going to go straight from that movement work into the halls of Congress. And so I just think it's organically happening that you're gonna see more of us. It, and, and it's not some insurgence or it's organic, it's real. It's, it's like something that naturally happens. I mean, how, how many people have to keep dying before people realize we need universal healthcare? So much of, of us running are not trying to be first of anything. We really are, uh, understanding that doing nothing isn't an option. We have this sense of urgency that is very lacking right now with so many, you know, folks thinking we need to wait. I mean, you hear people saying all the time, I'm sick and tired of it. I'm not waiting anymore. And so I just think, again, it's all happening organically. It is something that I'm, in, I'm, I'm inspired by and I see happening. You know, none of us like kind of even knew each other. That's what's so great. I mean, we didn't. And now you almost feel like after talking to Corey the other day, I just feel like, oh my God, like knowing each other forever. Like, okay. She, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm no, I'm like, oh my God, she gets it. Or it's like talking to that community organizer in my district uh, who's been trying to fight to in mass incarceration and, and all these other issues. So uh, thing with Jamal too. I mean, Jamal is hilarious by the way, but he's also just, you know, very real and, and, He's like, he's like, no, bring it, you know? And I'm like, I know, right? You're like, you know, all we have is the truth on our side. And I, I, I think that is the most powerful thing. It's not necessarily, you know, something like tangible. It's like, literally, we're telling you people are dying. We're telling you the criminalization is killing our folks. We're telling you that doing nothing on healthcare, immigration, all these other things are, it's just not an option for us. Yeah, I mean, especially as an Arab Muslim woman yourself, I know that you're familiar with this age-old concept within our community that is choosing the lesser of two evils, which feels like, you know, the uh, rock in a hard place that we and many minority communities like ourselves have been placed in, right? Um, do you think that especially, you know, with the 2020 elections, with what's at stake right now, but also with 
you know, the, the criticisms and the track records that have been popping up regarding the Democratic ticket. Do you think this is a situation where it's like, listen, we just, we have to pick the lesser of two evils right now and keep the fight moving forward now that Bernie's out of the race? Yeah, I mean, Manny, for so much, so many of us, it's it's just, we don't have a choice. The, the, the choice that we have is, do we want Trump to be in office for another four years? And there's a resounding no. I mean, I keep telling, you know, uh, even young Muslims and, and, you know, folks I was talking to a couple folks yesterday, I said, we're talking about the man that birthed and created the Muslim ban. That, that's, you know, we're talking about a person that allowed children to be caged at the border. We're talking about a person that has deregulated uh, protections for clean air and clean, and clean water. We're talking about a person that literally has vilified our veterans left and right. I mean, you know, but for for so much of us, we have to be that laser focused and not dissect and criticize. Because I'll tell you, don't think the marches or the protest or the, the push for progressive, you know, these, these movement, whatever you want to call them. I sometimes I hate labeling them, but what these things about how do we create, you know, equal opportunity for everyone in this country to take down the, 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 the policies that are anti-Black, take down the policies that are anti-just, you know, people based on take, just ripping them all down, that uh, that's not going to stop with a President Biden or a Vice President Harris. Those marches and those uprisings will continue. That's not going to stop. What's going to stop is whether or not we have a white supremacist in the White House. Is that what we want? That is the choice that we're asking people. I personally think that's what I'm wanting people to see it from that lens. And I know it's really hard, but I'm telling them not to stop fighting for Medicare for all and the Green New Deal to end poverty and to truly uh, have a fair conversation what it means to have Black Lives Matter, like really truly what that means. I'm asking them though at this moment to, you know, create a cr- create an opportunity for just better at this moment and, and, and not have a racist white supremacist as the president of the United States. Yeah, and obviously having more voices like yourself represented in, in Congress has also been just shifting, it's been pushing the needle on the party's platform as a whole. So obviously it serves a purpose, even when there are situations where it feels almost like we have to fall in line, our presence and our outspokenness alone is still, you know, shifting that environment, it feels like, Um, you know, and just also just creating a space where more diverse voices can be heard across the Democratic Party. Like, do you think it's weird that you got- But Amani, I just, I, but I don't want people to think it's like falling in line. I think it's like making sure we don't have a hate agenda coming out of the White House. But that doesn't mean that we don't go and try to get economic justice, environmental justice, and 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 fix our healthcare system or any of that. That that all that work won't stop. But at this point, we literally have somebody that is so incredibly dangerous for our country that you know it it, it to me if that's the do we want that for another four years or not? And I know I don't want people to see it's falling. No. You, you, we do have a choice, and that's what I'm asking you all to do. We choose to to walk away uh, and allow uh, Donald Trump to be our president for the next four years. After everything he's done, after all the hurt and the pain he's he's um, uh, created for so many of us, you know. And then we continue the work. Uh, but I think the door creeps open a little bit more with the Biden Harris, right? It, it, it there's more opportunity there, even though you know I 
I wanted I wanted something uh, you know much more bolder and 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 yes, that's why I endorsed Senator uh, Bernie Sanders. You're, you're going yeah. up the whole establishment. <laughs> so yeah. do you think do you think it's weird that you got so much flack for booing Hillary Clinton? I mean, I think for at that moment, uh, you know, I. I, I, for me, it was like protecting that mama bear, protecting the audience. They were doing it. And I, the woman was kind of shushing them. And I don't know why I was like, don't do that to them. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, I just, I'm still, I'm still always taken aback, honestly, about people's reaction to things I do, because I find that some of my colleagues, even after some certain things I've said, they'll come and tell me, you know, I called him a SOB. Do you know, I called him a terrorist. I called, I did that. I did this. And I never got that much attention, you know, and, and I believe them, but they're telling me this because they see how unfair sometimes this kind of policing and anger that I feel like is, was there before I got there. But I mean, you know, I, I didn't want to distract from what we were talking about, but I think, you know, I didn't, I wasn't aware the monitor was doing that, but then when the shushing happened, I was like, whoa, don't shush them. But yeah, it, I mean, I it mean, is something I that. I, I saw firsthand behind the scenes, just, I know it's naive to say, but being exposed to the politics of things behind the scenes of politics was a learning experience in and of itself. So like, was there a cost <laughs> you have to pay? Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I think, I think my mere existence, but okay. Manny, my mere existence, my mere existence yeah. is the cost. My, me being myself, just be me speaking truth, reacting the way I did. Uh, all of that is, is the right. So I don't, I don't think of it that way. I, I honestly don't think people realize, of course, I'm, I'm glad I won, but I'll be out there anyways, doing what I do now, but maybe not as a Congresswoman. And I'll probably do it the way I do it now. I mean, just, this is who I am and I can't change who I am, but it's, it is, it, it, you know, the, the, the whole, thing that I gives me some sort of sense of like, I just, I don't, I, I'm realizing more and more is that my mere existence of who I am and how I, how I just, you know, am kind of like out there and being real uh, is, is alone this kind of threat that comes with, you know, to, to various folks that like, well, we don't talk like that or we don't do that. And, you know, and I'm like, well, I don't know if this place was just like not just maybe wasn't created for someone like me. So, yeah, no, obviously it wasn't, you know, and I think if, for myself as a young Muslim woman, I feel like I've literally been watching you as this strong, outspoken, fierce Muslim woman of color. Like the system has repeatedly tried to whenever you get too out of line or you get too loud, repeatedly try to like smack you back into place or something and you have to like go up against that you know and, and have to really just like defy so much of it and as you mentioned just especially coming in as as a, a freshman you know first muslim woman woman and a woman of color congresswoman um it just it felt like every time you wanted you were like stepping out of line you know the powers that be were trying to remind you like hey be grateful that you're here, Rashida. Be grateful you're in Congress. <laughs> this is how you have to act, you know, and try to squeeze you into this box. Yeah, I mean, I do feel like that sometimes. Like, I should, I should just go out there and be the first Muslim woman and just, like, be quiet and be thrilled that I made history. Uh, but, you know, one thing that Ilhan and I talk about this, you know, all the stereotypes about Muslimas, like, 
I think we tore it all down. <laughs> like they always think, they always think Muslims are like quiet and like we have to ask permission and that we're like oppressed or, you know, and honestly, you know, Sister Alhan Omar is like much more graceful than I am. But I think one of the greatest things is, you know, I, I tell her that, you know, we talk about that early on that all the stereotypical things you might think of as like old Muslim women are. I think we tore down every single myth out there <laughs> so far. So, hell yeah, that's an understatement. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I, I, I agree. Think and and it just shows, you know, it doesn't matter. Like, there's there's many different ways to deliver the message that you guys are fighting for. It's not one size fits all. Like, we're all in this fight together, and there's different styles, different ways for us to accomplish that. Um, so Rashida, for every episode of The Antidote, I am asking our esteemed guests, um, you know, what is on the top of your mind politically right now? I mean, I think top of my mind uh, politically right now is, you know, how do I make sure that those that are coming out to vote, that their vote is going to be counted, that it is going to be safe? and that we're going to have a fair election. I'm honestly that's one of the things that I'm I'm very anxious about and I really want our I know people make up our democracy and we can outvote that kind of hate, we can outvote so much of that kind of uh you know evilness and 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 corruption and tainting of our democracy that comes and we could work really really hard but you know, we, we do have a huge challenge uh, coming up and we got to just make sure that people's votes get counted. What What's the antidote, do you think? Oh, antidote is the more of us, the more they can't control it, right? The more of us that come out, the more they can't deny the results. So the more of us have to come out. Powerful. Just like the mouth that it's coming out of, Rashida. Thank you so uh-huh. much for joining me. Yeah, Truly honored to have you as one of the first guests on Antidote. And I can't wait. Every conversation I have with you is more inspiring than the last. So I can't wait for the next one. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you for running. I know it takes a lot of courage to run. I just hope you don't uh, give up that you think about doing more in the future. So thank you. And Rashida, also just, uh, I need to also quickly say thank you to you for the support that you showed me during that entire process. I would not Um, do it without you know, having just such strong and inspiring role models like you in my corner and doing it first to show that it can be done. And that's something that, you know, our, our whole community and so many other communities like ours can never take for granted. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Amani. Salam. I love, love you. Mm-hmm.